Welcome along to Extra Time here on LCFC Radio and LCFC TV after a fantastic weekend for Leicester City. Really was a pulsating, thrilling game on Saturday, wasn't it? That win over Manchester United. We'll talk about that, some of the other Premier League results. These two will go head-to-head in a little quiz later on as well over the course of the next hour or so. Before we do get into that brilliant game, uh, firstly, good weekends, both of you. Tony, firstly. Yeah, good weekend, Dan. Um, I've been up on Merseyside and obviously two of my old teams were playing Everton and West Ham, so I was guest of Everton at Goodison Park yesterday. Another good result for the Hammers. Not so good for Everton, obviously. Um, and yeah, so it's, it's been a good weekend, apart from the, you know, I just mentioned my, my local MP. Obviously, we all know what happened at Leon C, so I, I've come back to that. So it's it's not a particularly happy place where I'm living at the moment for obvious reasons, but um, yeah, it was quite a sad weekend, actually. Uh, how about you, Matt? Obviously, you were a the game on, on Saturday, weren't you? Yeah, I think uh, that carried most people through the weekend, didn't it? I think, you know, what an amazing performance. And uh, obviously, we're going to talk about it as we go on. But certainly, people in the Leicester region, Leicester City supporters, uh, that game set the weekend up nicely, didn't it? I mean, unbelievable, unbelievable the way it works out. And very deserved win as well. And I think... Uh, there were quite a few celebrations going on through the night, I think. Town, not that I was in town, but I hear by all accounts it was quite a lively place on Saturday night. And that's what a good football result can do. You know, it helps, it, it flows through the community. And by the looks of things, Matt, you were celebrating your 21st birthday, were you as well at, at the weekend? You can see the 21st, can you? Yeah. I'm just uh, recapturing my, my, my youth. Um, living, living a lie, Patey, living a lie. No, no, girlfriend's daughter. It's. Uh, it's her 21st, it was actually about three weeks ago and she's kept, kept celebrations up for that long. <laughs> but enjoying the moment, why not? Don't blame her. Yeah, exactly. Well, as, as Matt said, Tony, Leicester were certainly enjoying the moment, weren't they? On Saturday, I'm, I'm sure, obviously, you'll have, you'll have seen the highlights and everything. Uh, quite incredible game of football, really. Yeah, it was, Dan. I mean, I, I, as I said to you before, it's so frustrating. As I said, I'm up on Merseyside. Um, I managed to watch the Watford Liverpool game, which was the early kickoff, and then of course you want you're desperate to watch a three o'clock kickoff, and you're not allowed to do that. For you know, I get it for obvious reasons, but um, so I'm reliant, heavily reliant on the highlights again. Um, but you know, what a game of football, and uh, you know, I, I couldn't believe it because I was I was waiting to get picked up, and a guy come in and I, I said like, what's the score? He said, oh, it's two two at, at Leicester, and I went, oh, okay, like that. I'm thinking, well, perhaps that might be quite a good result. Bearing in mind how good Manchester United have been on the road and then of course for them to win 4-2 and and you know you've got to put it in perspective you know it's been a difficult start for Leicester for, for many reasons that we spoke about on this show um, but you've also got to take into the fact that this is a very good Manchester United team a team that's been unbeaten on I think what was it a record amount of games isn't it 28-29 games whatever it is you know so t- for, the, for the team to put in you know with the highlights I see not only was it a fantastic result I looked at the chances they created against a very good team. And, you know, I think there's been games this season where we're sort of struggling to take positives out of the game. But there can't have been too many negatives. There were some unbelievable individual performances. And Brendan must have been absolutely delighted with not just the result, but the performance. Yeah, it was January 2020, as Tony's rightly said there, Matt, that the last time that Manchester United lost on the road, they've obviously gone to... So lots of tough places and, and come away with draws, with wins. But at, at the weekend, Leicester were, were so convincingly the better team. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that, that's surprising, that, that stat. With, uh, I knew the away form was exceptional, Man United. But uh, to go that far back, I mean, Leicester beat them 
on the road, if, if you like, um, in the FA Cup uh, last season, obviously. But, uh, you know, league encounters were considered different, etc. But you wouldn't have thought so, would you, seeing, seeing the way they performed? I mean, Leicester were exceptional. But Man United, Scott, we said, were well below par. Uh, if that's, you know, I'm assuming that's a lower than standard performance because, you know, there's been criticism of Man United and without jumping on the bandwagon, you can see why. They were so open and so unstructured, really. And Leicester were, were right on their game. You could see there was an intensity about their play, um, a determination to sort of maybe turn things around a little bit. It seemed like the players were maybe a little bit frustrated themselves by how they've been playing. And to go out with the mentality they did against the likes of Man United, who've got these you know, elite band of players throughout their ranks, um, I thought it was a huge boost, a huge boost for them as individuals. Um, but, you know, to go up against that quality of player, play that well, outplay them, that in individual contests and generally across the pitch, but also just to have that, that mentality that, you know, going 1-0 down against Man United and you could think the signs were ominous, but their heads didn't drop and that they were strong as a group and went on to win convincingly. And, you know, they out they out fought and outplayed Man, Man United and that doesn't happen too often. And Man, Man United not a full flow, but uh, from Leicester's point of view, I think it was a massive performance because... There's been a little bit, some piece of criticism. Um, I think a little bit hasty, um, at least. And, you know, I've said in these early days, there were reasons why Tony's touched on it. Uh, just let things settle down, see how Leicester go, and I'm sure they'll be fine. I think that performance on Saturday suggested that strongly. Yeah, it's the type of performance, Tony, the type of result that can, as I said on Saturday, kickstart a season that had been... Stuttering slightly, as, as Matt's just said then, but, but that result, what that must do for the group and for the fan base, must be massive. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Matt said about the, you know, the mood around the city and after the game and into the evening. And it's amazing what football can do. That's the power of football. We all know that. Um, and I know we're going to talk in depth about the goals and everything, but I think Brendan deserves great credit you know, before we start because he made the five changes. And, and that, that's a big call in itself, Dan. You know, we know that there's been times where you know, perhaps it's not been happening for Leicester, but you know, to make the five changes and also to go to the three-five-two as well, you know, and there's something that again we've spoken in depth about this. It gives you those two players up front. You've got two fantastic forwards. You've got to get those two forwards into your team, like we said last time I was on the show. So I'm pleased they went for the three-five-two, but to make those changes, it was a big call, and particularly as well, probably bringing James Madison back into the team. I think because. You know, he's had such a difficult time. And I do feel, feel, feel for players. You know, he's, we all know how talented he is. The, the talent's not in question. It's about getting the match fitness and the match sharpness. How do you get that? You have to play games. But of course, if it's not happening for you in the games, which it hasn't been for James, you then get put on the bench and you don't play the games. At, at that point, you then say, well, I need to play the games, but you're not informed to play the games. So it's... It's a bit of a, a very frustrating situation, but I think it was a big call to bring James back in. But again, I didn't see the game live, but the, the, the glimpses I saw, there was a little bit more of that arrogance, that strut about James, the good passing, the movement, and he was involved in things. And 
And that's a real bonus for Leicester going forward to get him back into some sort of form. Lots of games coming up as well, so he's going to be involved in that. But I think that was a big call. Before we talk about the goals and the incidents, it was a big call from Brennan going to that 3-5-2 system. Yeah, it, it worked though, Tony. You saw with the, the first Leicester goal, the Yeri Tielemans goal, that wouldn't have happened if, if there weren't two players up front because Jamie Vardy does the first press on the left-hand side, then Kletchi and Acho is able to press uh, up against Harry Maguire. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, we've spoken about the front two and the options it gives you from an attacking point of view. But it also gives you those options from a defensive point of view, Dan. You're right, and you can squeeze, you can press. And, you know, like first and foremost, it was a wonderful goal from Mason Green. But, you know, there's nothing you can do about it. You can't criticise anyone about that. It was an incredible strike. <laughs> but it was important that Leicester didn't panic and carry on. They'd had a few chances before that goal went in. But to, to squeeze and press, and it, now, um, listen, it was poor from Manchester United, there's no doubt about that. And it's a bugbear of mine. Uh, you know, I really don't like defenders playing the ball around the back, not really going anywhere. And eventually you're going to get put under pressure, which is what happened when the ball came to Maguire. He didn't read the pace of the ball. But, you know, Kelechi deserves great credit. You know, he worked really hard. And again, that's something that, you know, we, we, again, we've spoken about. It's not something that comes natural to him, but you could see he's working. And it paid off for him because he dispossessed Harry Maguire, played the ball to Tielemans. And when you first see it, you think, you know, I don't know what Matt for, but when I first saw it, I'm thinking, is it a cross or is it a shot? Because it was one of those, it was such um, a ridiculous goal that you're thinking, you question it straight away. Because when you played the game, you know that normally when that ball comes to you, you're on the angle, you're looking to whip it to the far post. And I, my first impressions was, did he mean it? And then you see the replay and you think there's not really, the options are arriving late in the box, but they're not really there. I, I think he meant it, but if he did, it was absolute perfection because the ball's landed in the one place. We all know how good the air is. He had a fantastic game, some great saves, didn't he? But it was a brilliant, brilliant goal from Tillemans. And, you know, I'm sure he would say that he meant it. And if he did mean it, it was, it was, it was a different goal to Mason Greenwood's, but it was as good a goal. And, you know, from a team point of view, it just showed you with that pressing, what you can get if you put the defenders under pressure. As, as you know, Tony, from when you've been to King Power Stadium and you've sat in the press box, the, the, the press, press box, press box the, angle is, is, is... Sorry, we just had a bit of an echo there on, on your... <coughs> camera. Uh, the press box angle is different to the TV camera angle, so we've seen it from the other side, didn't we, Matt? So we almost saw the ball coming towards us rather than away from us, which it does on, on that TV angle. And, and it was hard to tell at first whether he meant it, but there was more the surprise, wasn't there, around the ground that it managed to go in over De Gea and it went in like that. It was such a perfect finish and he 100% meant it as well. Yeah, he did. There's no doubt about that. And I think with the balls nowadays, you do seem to get a little bit more whip and a little bit more spin with the balls. Like maybe it's the way they're designed, you know, but perhaps they're a little bit lighter than when me and Matt played in, obviously, 20, 25 years ago. I think the balls have changed a little bit. There's no doubt about that. But, you know, it, it, it's it's a wonderful skill if you... You know, we see examples of it over the weekend, you know, not just in the Leicester game, in other games of, of players curling the ball with the inside of their foot and also with the outside of the foot. There were some wonderful passes from other players and using the outside of the foot, which is something you don't see that often nowadays. But when you whip it with the inside of your foot, you know, it was just, it was just precision. It really was. And it was like, it, you know, I, I honestly believe that Tielemans is that good, that he could actually say, I'm going to put that ball in the top corner. And he, had, he actually did put the ball exactly where he wanted it to go. You don't, you, you can't always do that. And there's many a time when the ball will go behind the goal or you'll hit the first defender or something. 
but his, the execution was fantastic and there's no doubt in my mind that he meant to do it, no doubt. Yeah, it was, it was very impressive, Matt, wasn't it? That, that goal and Yuri Tielemans' performance across the whole 90 minutes as well. Yeah, I think in a, in a game where there were lots of excellent performances, he, he, he was a standout individual for me. Tielemans oozed class. And that goal just typified what he's all about. As Tony says there, I mean, I, I have similar thoughts. Initially, I, I thought he'd overhit the cross. And then there was a sort of look of expectancy, even from Tillemans himself, thinking, hang on a sec, that's got half a chance. But when, when, then you considered it, and for, again, for the reasons Tony's mentioned there, I think Jamie Vardy was in and around the penalty area. Madison made a late run. Yuri Tillemans is not that bad a player to misjudge it by that much. You know, if he got the cross wrong, it was horrendously wrong. And for me, when it looks, you know, when you have a close look at it, it's like he just guided it into that far corner, looped it, stroke, curled it. Um, it was a very unorthodox, unusual finish. But for me, the intent was there. The intent was there. And I'm sure Yuri Tillemans will confirm that without a rice smile because he'll be adamant that he did mean it and that's the way it looked to me ultimately ultimately yeah it was a top class finish and I mean he could have been forgiven for maybe even having a touch and getting his head up and having a look but he he's in it first time he knows he knows what he's doing and it was exquisite exquisite finish wasn't it and um just typified like I say typified his performance on the day he considering the caliber of opposition he's up against although Man United were so open and stretched and in particular in that midfield area um, himself and uh, Sumare I wouldn't say had a field day but they, they really enjoyed themselves and that, you know that they were you know a defining factor in, in the game because they ran that midfield pretty much throughout the game and as much as Leicester were dominating the game. Obviously, Tony, as we've referenced, Manchester United took the lead with that fantastic goal from Greenwood. So that the goal from Tielemans at that time to get it, about 10 minutes after Man United had taken the lead, was, was really important in itself anyway for the game. Because if Leicester hadn't maybe been able to get the goal in, until half-time or if they went into the break behind, Man United could change things. They could gain a bit more confidence. So it was vital Leicester did equalise when they did. Yeah, it's always important to strike back and, you know, obviously there was some very quick goals together later on in the match. But, you know, I think when you're a goal behind um, at home, you know, there there is a tendency to, to sort of almost chase the game too early, which, you know, there's a way, when, when they scored, it was 20, 20 minutes gone, basically. You've still got 70 minutes. There's no real reason to chase it. But the natural inclination for a home team, you know, and we've been there is you, you, you want to get back into the game and you want to try and do that before half-time because it's always important because if you go in a goal down, you know, sometimes you can lose the momentum, you know, the, the other team can make tactical changes to make it even more difficult for you and if you're a goal up away from home and as we said, Manchester United have got a great record away from home so I think it would have been difficult for Leicester if they hadn't have got that goal back you know, to get it back sort of just over 10 minutes later, wasn't it? So it was it was an important goal, a really, really important goal. And, um, you know, I think in terms of, you know, Matt was saying about the midfield and that, I mean, uh, for me at the moment, I mean, Manchester United, they're, they're, a, they're a fantastic team of individuals, but they're not a team. And, you know, the, the way Leicester played, they was fantastic as a team. And a team will always be a team of individuals, if that makes sense. And, you know, I think all over the pitch, Leicester see, once that goal had gone in, that equalising goal, Leicester stepped up a gear and of course they had the, you know, we're speaking about Tiedemans, he had that fantastic effort where 
very similar skill down where he's whipped it across the keeper. And, uh, you know, again, with the, with the commentary and the, the angle, the TV angles, you can't always see what's gone on. And you're thinking, oh, he's hit the post. What a great effort that was. And then when you see the replay and you see the fingertips of De Gea to, to, to just slightly deflect it onto the post, I mean, it was a precision shot from Tielemans that's going right. It probably would have hit the, the, the inside of the post and gone in. That was how good a shot it was. But it ended up a fantastic save and that could easily have put Leicester 2-1 up. Yeah, that was a, a big... Could have been a big moment in the game, Matt, couldn't it? That, that save itself, let's just <laughs> praise De Gea for a minute because he, he had, as, as Tony says, a really good game. That save in particular was was pretty special. Yeah, that, that was De Gea at his best, wasn't it? And I haven't always seen that of late. But um, it, was, it was almost Tillemans at his best as well because you fancied him in that position, didn't you? And Tony says there he, he decided it for placement and, and accuracy um, rather than just sort of blasting it and hoping for the best. And, it, you know, it was, it was almost a tremendous finish. But, yeah, great athleticism there from Spanish goalkeeper. But ultimately, even De Gea couldn't deny Leicester, could he? Because uh, such was the pressure. I mean, you talk about De Gea having a good game. Leicester <coughs> still scored four goals. That's how well they played. That's how dominant they were in the game. Man United had their moments, of course, yeah, but... Overall, Leicester were the dominant force and that was really encouraging to see. When the Sonchu goal went in from, from that um, set-piece, Matt, obviously there was the, the half a look wasn't there at the assistant as to whether he might have yeah. tried, but you must have thought at that stage with 12 minutes to play, that would probably be <coughs> the scoring that, that he maybe had got the winner at that stage. Well, you like to think so. Um, I think probably a little bit, little bit premature. I certainly didn't expect Man United to to come back and equalise quite so quickly. But you're right, there, there was an element of doubt or concern over the offside because, I mean, Harry Maguire, amongst others, they appealed straight away, didn't they? I think Maguire was the deepest. But uh, I, I, thought, I thought initially that he was going to be offside, but just managed to... There was a slight little bit of, of movement uh, as, as the ball ricocheted around the box. I think it... It came, there was a headed towards goal, wasn't there? And De Gea saved it. Then it came off Perez, wasn't it? And into the path of Soyuncu. You thought he maybe just straight offside, but it was, as the ball hit Perez, Soyuncu's onside. I think as, by the time it reached Soyuncu, possibly offside, but obviously that ultimately is going to be given. Then he smashed it away gleefully, didn't he? Yeah, it was a great celebrations, wasn't it? And a lot of people have mentioned as well about the you know, uh, comparing. Maguire leaving, Soyuncu coming in, effectively taking his pace, and then Soyuncu scoring the goal that mattered. And uh, well, at that time, but um, for me, there wasn't much time to consider that. It was all about the moment. Didn't matter who scored. Leicester taking the lead, and it was joyous celebrations. But they're all around the all around the the King Power. But they weren't to last long. But before we knew it, they were back on their feet again. So it, it was you know, an amazing period within the game, and one to be remembered. Yeah, I think chatting to some Leicester fans after the game, they said that that goes certainly into their top five, top ten Premier League games at, at King Power Stadium, Tony, purely, I think, for, for how it all went and that last 12 minutes, the sheer madness of it, really, with, with Leicester taking the lead as they did, Manchester United coming back and Leicester immediately hitting back. Yeah, I mean, you don't normally get a spell in the Premier League where you get so many goals in what was it last was it 10 15 minutes and that to get to get the four goals and that and you know once 
it's always frustrating. I think once you get you get two one up, and then you're thinking, well, keep it tight now. You know, there's ten minutes left. Just do do. Leicester were obviously the the better team in that, so it, it's just a case of doing the basics right. Basics, defend properly, and you know, just unfortunately, they they switched off. And you know, I, I'm sure it'll be something that Brendan will be certainly looking at closely. At, you know, at the training ground and, and speaking to his defenders because. You know, for you know, we know Rashford's quick. We know he's a good finisher. And once he got through, then it was one of those a bit like Jamie Vardy, where you think he's probably going to score here. But then when you again look at the replay and that, and you look at the way that you know the the centre halves and Soyuncu's dropped off a little bit too deep, and he's played Rashford on, and it was such a, a poor goal to concede. It really was. Uh, and then you're then two all, and then you're thinking, well, like, it's what seven, eight minutes left, and you know, are we going to draw a game that we really should have been winning? But, you know, I've just accused Leicester of switching off. And I think Manchester United have done exactly the same thing, didn't they? Because, you know, again, when, you've, when you've, you get back into a game and you get that equalising goal, it is so easy to switch off. And, you know, what a, it, was, it, was a, it was a fantastic goal from Leicester. We know that. But what a dreadful goal from Manchester United's point of view. But what I do want to do, Dan, I want to praise the referee for the third Leicester third goal. I think it was Craig Paulson, Mark, right? I'm saying, was it Craig Paulson? I think it was. Uh, who, perhaps you can check for me, but whoever the referee was, because straight from the kickoff, you know, Leicester have sprayed the ball out to the left-hand side and Castagna gets totally and utterly wiped out. And w- one of my bugbears throughout my playing days and throughout my media days is watching referees who can't wait to blow their whistle uh, and give a free kick. And if you watch the replay, which I did very carefully, the referee goes to blow his whistle, looks at where the ball's gone. It's gone to Perez. Perez is in good space, good possession, and he lets the play go. And he's then got his arms up in the air. And then Perez cuts the ball back to Jamie Vardy. And I'm, I'm going to eulogise about Jamie Vardy again because the finish is so difficult. It is because the reason it's so difficult is because Perez, but it's, it's a good pass to Jamie, but the ball bounces just in front of him. And he's on the angle where, if you imagine, you're facing where the ball's coming from, but the goal is on your right-hand side. So the only way you can get the ball into that top corner where he puts it, you've got to open your body and you've got to strike the ball with, you know, almost like a slicing uh, aspect. So you're not actually striking through the ball, you're slicing across the ball to make it veer away from the keeper. And again, where Jamie put it, a bit like Tielemann's goal and even Mason Greenwood's goal, it was straight in the top corner. You know, like to have such a great game, but to have so many wonderful, memorable goals. And Jamie Vardy's goal, probably, you know, Tillemans was a, a difficult goal. Mason Greenwood's is a difficult goal. But I think technically, the way Jamie made it look so easy, but technically, that was probably the hardest skill to do. And you just wouldn't expect anything else from him, not just this season, but any other season. He made it look so easy. And it was a fantastic goal. But hopefully, Dan, you've checked the referee's name because I think if he blows up, then there's no goal for Leicester and everyone's moaning. It was Craig Parson, by the way, so you, you were spot on. So it was, yeah, a good bit of referee in that. And when that goal went in, Matt, I think it's fair to say that at 2-2, probably most people around King Power Stadium would have thought, just because of the way that it had gone, that if there was going to be a winner, it would probably be the visitors. And then for Leicester to hit back so immediately, we have to try and remain as, as neutral as we can in the press box, don't we? But we were both, on our feet when we arms in the air because it was just one of those moments where it was impossible to contain the emotions and the whole stadium just erupted. Yeah, exactly. Rightly so as well. I mean, it was just impulsive reaction, wasn't it? And you're right, it, it, it's quite bizarre in, in around the uh, 
the media air section, isn't it? Because everyone else is up on their feet, jumping around, going crazy. And with good reason, most of the media are just sat there, just tapping away on the keyboards, whatever, talking into the microphones. Not that animated. But um, no, it, it didn't, didn't prevent us to celebrate, did it? I mean, that was, that was a moment to savour. Um, and as you said, you spoke to people who said that was in their top five moments of the King Power. Um, thankfully, there's quite a, a selection to choose from over recent years, that's for sure. But it was, it was, it was Jamie Vardy at his finest, wasn't it? You know, sort of, it just, we talked about typifying Yuri Tillemans earlier with his goal. But Vardy, not that that was necessarily a, a typical Jamie Vardy goal. Uh, he can score goals from many, many angles in many varieties of finishes. But it was just a, almost the sort of the temerity of it, wasn't it? The sort of little bit of attitude, you know, bouncing back. Okay, Man United, okay, you're going to come at us. That won't deter us. We, we, we've got spirit in, in, in this, this team, this squad, um, him in particular. And that, that finish that Tony's described superbly there doesn't need me repeating. Um, it, it just shows what a high quality. We know it anyway. Anyone who doesn't, uh, doesn't understand football, <laughs> Jamie Vardy is a top-class striker um, and goal scorer extraordinaire. And he just proved it yet again. A lot of talk about Ronaldo, 36 years old. Doesn't do half the work that Jamie Vardy does at 34. Admittedly, OK, there's a couple of years difference, but his high-energy performance, um, polished off with the, with the quality that he's got. And, it, it, yeah, it was, it was a wonderful moment. Tony mentioned about the referee. Yeah, he does deserve praise. I think Leicester do, in general, for the, the spirit that they show, the mentality. Um, to get that, you could call it a hammer blow, you know, to concede, because it almost looked like it was going to be a missed opportunity. Leicester were a better team, more chances, deservedly got the lead, and then before he knew it, they let it slip. And it was it was slack defending. Excellent play from uh, Lindelof and, and Rashford. But then Leicester weren't deterred by that. You, you could have thought, all right, OK, we'll settle for the point. We'll go in into ourselves a little bit. We'll sit back, hopefully see the game out. Leicester weren't having that. Castagna was purposeful. Perez, fair play to him when he came on, did a job. Questionable whether Perez or Barnes should have come on in that sort of... He didn't play in that number 10 position so much. It was sort of wider on the left, wasn't it? It was almost a 3-4-3 a three, three that Leicester ended up with a little bit. Um, yeah, he did well. And he you know, popped the ball off to Vardy. It wasn't the ideal ball. It was bouncing and just you know, lifted towards him. But Vardy just smashed it in and cue wild celebrations and I think then Man United I think Man United when they got that equaliser they thought oh okay yeah we're back in this game that's what we do sort of thing but then when Leicester getting that third goal it was game over they weren't coming back again you know they were defeated their heads dropped and never thought whatever we do against this mob they come back at us and uh, eventually the pressure told yeah we've got to single out Iose Perez as Matt's done there Tony for his actual all-round substitute performance, he was winning the ball back. He seemed really hungry. He got an albeit inadvertent assist for the um, the Soyuncu goal, and um, didn't know too much about it. But it's technically an assist, and then that one was a brilliant assist. What I loved about it though is he went sprinting off to the corner and did a knee slide to the fans as if he'd almost scored it himself. And then Jamie Vardy came and joined him. So 
you could see how much it meant to him as well. Yeah, I mean, it was a it was a fantastic cameo performance, and you know, what what I like about the the Leicester attitude, if you like, Dan, is that the, that when players get left out, they don't they don't come on and sulk. I'm thinking partic- particularly Vianacho. You know, he's had come on so many times as substitute, hasn't he? And then other players come on, and and, and there's no sulking. You know, if you're not been picked by the manager or you've been left out or whatever, they they come on and they've got a point to prove. And you know, Perez was involved in in the three goals when he was involved in the in the fourth goal as well. Got to praise Jamie Vardy again because you know to get, to win the free kick, it was fantastic forward play to get his body in between. Uh, was it Wan-Bissaka, I think it was, wasn't it? And just you know, made him almost foul him, and and it was it was brilliant play. And you're thinking, well, you know, just wind the time down a little bit. But there was no thinking about that from Leicester and Perez is put in a fantastic free kick. You know, you said about his celebration for Jamie's goal, which was wonderful to see. Then he whips the free kick in. And another fellow I'm going to give a little bit of praise to is Patson Dacker as well, because again, he's had a, a difficult start to his career, hasn't he, at Leicester? And he's had to be patient. And he's got Jamie in front of him. He's got Kalecci in front of him. But these guys come on and they, they, they make a difference. And yeah, of course, it was a scruffy goal. You know, but listen, listen to me saying about scruffy goals. It was almost like a typical goal that I scored, wasn't it? But I mean, he was in the right place at the right time. The ball gets a little bit sort of caught between his legs. But in the end, it's a simple tap in. But it was a wonderful ball in from, from uh, Perez. And, you know, I think if, if you look at the, you know, the final score and that, you know, you could probably argue that, you know, Manchester United flattered themselves getting the two goals. But... Leicester des- probably deserved the four goals, and you know it was it was some great cameo performances from Perez, from Patson Dacker, and you know the manager will look at Johnny Evans back in the team, Madison back in the team, Danny Vardy still scoring goals. So much to take from that game, but you know result-wise and performance-wise, as I said right at the start, Dan, absolutely brilliant from Leicester. Yeah, Pat- Patson Dacker did have an impact, didn't he, Matt? As, as Tony's been saying, there was the his first touch. I think was that. Half chance, wasn't it, on the right-hand side, which De Gea saved. I think that then actually led to the Soyuncu goal from that corner. Yeah. Um, then he had the shot that was then saved by De Gea and then ricocheted off Perez. So he, he was massively involved in the game, as was Perez, for their, what, 10 or 15 minutes that they were on the pitch. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, When, when you look at it like that, you know, he's, he's, it seems like he's all about the penalty area, all about goals, Dakar. Um, Yet to see what his sort of general all-round game is is about, and how much he's got in that department. But certainly, he looks a goal threat, doesn't he? You know, whenever he's played, it's only been you know, fleetingly that we've seen him, but w- without doubt, he, he has a, he has a goal threat about him, doesn't he? Um, sort of comes alive in the penalty box, as you say. The, those three moments there were all key moments in the game, and. Um, you know, he put himself in those positions and fair play to him. It must be a little bit frustrating. It must be a little bit um, difficult for him to, 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 to look up and see who's in front of him in the team. I know he knows that before he comes to the club. But his opportunities are going to be sparse if Jamie Vardy continues to you know, remain fit. Um, and Kalecci and Nacho, even if Leicester playing the two up front, Actually, Nacho, you know, he's he's in that starting team week in, week out for the foreseeable future. At the moment, you know, the way he played, he's deserved his opportunity, and he was, you know, he, I thought he thrived in the in the atmosphere of the the profile of the game as well. You know, going up against Man United, he he was reveling in it. And Tony's right, mentioned it earlier. You've got to play Vardy and Ian Nacho. 
now and work around that. Even if it means Barnes being on the bench, Lookman on the bench, um, you know, the, the squad of Leicester's being developed again. But yeah, good performances from Dakar. I think there's, there's more to come, hopefully. Um, but certainly, without doubt, he's an influence in and around the penalty area, yeah. I mean, you were listing the positives just a minute ago, Tony, weren't you, from that game? There's so many. We could actually talk for a long time. We could fill the whole hour, really, talking about the, the yeah. game on Saturday. It was that good. But there's just so many positives to take forward. And it does feel like that is it. As I said earlier, the season really has started now for Leicester City. Well, it does. And I think, you know, you, you can't underestimate the, the boost that the players would get from that as well, because the players would have been frustrated themselves. You know, it's been a, it's been a difficult start to the season. It's, it's been results that have gone against Leicester and we've had all the injury problems. And as players, you, you're just sort of waiting for a turning point in the season, Dan. And sometimes you have to be patient with that because you've got to wait for some of the injured players to come back. You've got to wait for perhaps some of the players just to click into a little bit of form. At least I know Jamie Vardy's been banging the goals in, but results-wise, it's not quite been where Leicester won it. They're not in the position. That, you know, let's not forget they've they've won a big Manchester United. They're still only 11th in the Premier League, and that tells you that it's been a difficult start to the season. But you do look for comfort in in victory sometimes, and if you can't get comfort in that victory, in the manner of the performance, the result who you've beaten, the way you beat them. If you can't take the positive out of that, you'll never take the positive from a football match in, you know, going forward. So it, it could be a massive turning point for Leicester. And let's not forget as well that there's, there's, there's an incredible amount of games coming up. You know, there's sort of a, a double header, isn't it, against Spartak, which I'm sure we're going to talk about. You've got the, the Carabao Cup against Brighton to come as well. And it's still got all the Premier League games, a couple of difficult Premier League games coming up as well. So... You know, it will give a real confidence boost to everyone in that squad. And now that the injured players are slowly starting to come back, still a few more to come back, but they're starting to come back in. And that gives Brendan real options with his squad. And it gives him the ability to mix and match the squad and, you know, get players in. And the likes of Dakar games and Perez and Barnes and Lookman, the ones that, you know, that didn't start at the, um, at the weekend, they can get involved in the European games as well but obviously with the main focus on getting results as well. So I, I think it really could be a turning point for Leicester season. Let's hope going forward we'll look back at that Manchester United game and say that was really, really a key performance and a key, key result for the club. Because you can imagine now, Matt, can't you? Leicester will just go bouncing into their next games and, and they'll, they'll probably be pleased that the next one is as early as, as Wednesday as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, confidence can change quite quickly, can't it? And I think, but I think Leicester... You know, I'd, like, I'd like to think that Leicester players, I'm sure Brennan Rodgers will do it as the coach manager, you know, relay and reinforce the message, um, reminding them of how good a team they are. <laughs> Not so long ago, you know, they just won the FA Cup final against the soon-to-be champions of Europe. Um, and, you know, the, the start hasn't been ideal, but we've gone over the reasons why we, we think that occurred. And so I, I was always quite confident. There's still a way to go, of course. Quite confident that Leicester will turn things in their favour in a positive way. And um, hopefully Saturday is the catalyst for that. But, you know, the players have got to remind themselves what they're capable of. And th this performance on Saturday as well will serve as a, you know, a huge positive. It was without Fafana, you know, Daniel Amati, uh, a bit part player. He's considered by a lot of people, but... He, more and more regularly, he, he, he features when Leicester do well. 
there's a, there's a growing confidence in him and in him himself as a player. Wilfred and Dealey, everyone you know, thinks that he's absolutely vital to how Leicester play. Um, you know, and rightly so, to an extent that's, that's correct. He didn't feature on Saturday. Uh, and Leicester were able to you know, deal with that and be particularly strong in that department. Samari, that he'll feel a fully-fledged member of the squad now. There'll be a confidence in him. He's shown what he's truly capable of as well. So, yeah, and as I mentioned before, this is a lineup without Harvey Barnes in, which you, you wouldn't think of if he's fit and available. That, you know, the, the, not so long ago, he was deemed you know, a must-have, a must-pick. Um, Lookman's come in and done exceptionally well. A lot of people want him to be in the starting lineup. Again, with good reason. Wasn't required on Saturday uh, with the setup that Leicester applied. And, you know, there's three, four, five players there that I've mentioned that didn't even play on Saturday that most people, or a lot of people, might put in the strongest 11, but they weren't required. And again, it shows the depth that Leicester have got. And that is an exciting thing, Tony. We've spoken a lot about the depth, but we've also spoken a lot about the injuries that Leicester have had. Brendan Rodgers has never probably this season really been able to have his, his strongest possible team out at all. So the fact that they, they have had the difficult start, you can understand why. But to get a result like they did on Saturday, again, with a depleted squad, is, is so impressive. It is. It's, it's, it's a fantastic result by everyone involved at the football club. And, you know, those injured players will come back into the fold. You know, James Justin is another one that, we, you know, that we've got to come back as well. So, you know, he'll make a difference. It was fantastic last season. So the players are slowly coming back. And, you know, as I mentioned earlier, you, you, when you've got those players that are willing to come on and fight for the calls and, you know, every, you, if you want to be successful at football club, you've got to have everyone putting in the right direction. You know, if you've got players in the team, they're always happy. They're never going to be unhappy because you, they're regulars. You get, you always get your seven, eight regulars, maybe nine regulars who play every week. They're, they're not the problem. You, you've then got players who are a little bit unhappy because they're never really going to get a game. But the, the ones that are on the periphery, the ones that are on the subs bench, the ones that, if you would like, the, the squad players, the, the, the Daniel and Marty is a perfect example. You know, he comes in, he does a fantastic job. He's a brilliant player to have around the squad. You know, he's not necessarily going to be, when everyone's fit, we know he's not going to be part of the team. But he, he, he plays the game and, and, and he puts in the performances. And the likes of Perez as well, we've already mentioned, and Pats and Dakus have to be patient. And those guys, if you can keep those guys happy, Dan, then you know that you've got a successful football club. You know, we know the club's going in the right direction. Following on from last season with the FA Cup, the, you know, the two fifth-place finishes that should have been top four finishes, we know that. So we know the club's going in the right direction. It's just been a difficult start through with all the bits we've spoken about. It's been a difficult start. But I do believe, honestly, that this could be a real turning point for the club. And it's going to be onwards and upwards now. And good, good results are going to follow as a result of it. Yeah, well, from one big game to another, a massive one on, on Wednesday, isn't it? Away in Russia. Um, Leicester, well, bottom of the, the group, level on points with Napoli with one point each after their first two games. Who'd have thought that, really, looking at, at the group? So it's, it, it's a massive game on Wednesday. Yeah, huge. European competition. You know, you've spent the majority of last season trying to get into the Champions League um, or a, a European qualifying position. And uh, Leicester will be obviously disappointed with the way things have started, but determined to get back on track. They've done it in the Premier League to an extent, and now they need to do it in the Europa League. And they need a result, don't they? They need something out of it because 
you know there, there isn't that time to be afforded to allow um you know a, a below par performance really and come away come away with nothing running out of time a little bit um not that it would be impossible still but yeah they need to pick up some points and it's, it's a different type of game i suppose from the weekend but that that's what leicester have got to be able to deal with really and games they know the games are coming thick and fast uh 3 30 in the afternoon kickoff isn't it English time, anyway, which is slightly unusual, but um, yeah, I, I, well, we talk about the you know the depth of the squad. The squad's going to have to uh, be utilised, isn't it? But it's a bit of a tricky one for Brendan, really, because you just got a great result there um, on Saturday against Man United, playing that system. I imagine now he will go away from home in Europa League. He'll stick with that back three, so. And then, you know, then it's the game on Sunday, isn't it, against uh, Brentford. So, again, game's coming thick and fast. And, you know, much as he, he probably, at this moment in time, wants to play the team that played Saturday, he wants them to play Wednesday, Sunday. But is that the sensible option? You know, we've seen that teams have been tinkered with, but at the same time, he's got to ensure that he gets results. So, it's, a, it's an ongoing uh, problem for, for managers and coaches. but. Uh, yeah, huge game, huge game. Good experience for you know, individuals going over to Moscow, isn't it? And you know, playing, playing over there. But it's going to be a, a different sort of atmosphere. But I think with the result on Saturday, fancy Leicester to come away with a point. Yeah, difficult to predict, Tony, isn't it? What Brendan Rodgers will do with the team, obviously, as as the reasons Matt has rightly outlined there, that you want to maybe keep the momentum of that team. But it's such a long trip. They've got a big game again on on Sunday against the side that have been. Fantastic at the start of the season in Brentford. So it'd be interesting to see what Brendan does on Wednesday afternoon. Yeah, well, I'm looking forward. I'm, I'm covering the game um, for you guys, Dan. So I'm looking forward to that. And it will be really, really interesting to see what team he picks. Um, uh, I'm guessing he possibly would take a full squad out there just to give him all the options. I know you've got to be careful with the travelling. You know, it's a long way, was it? What, four-hour flight, four-and-a-half-hour flight, whatever it is, to Moscow. So it's not exactly around the corner. So you, you know, you, you've got to weigh up all the options, and you know this is this is really where Brendan earns his money, isn't it? You know he's managed in Europe before, in, you know with, with Liverpool, with Celtic, and now with Leicester. He knows what he's doing, and, that, and for me, that's always a real good thing. If you've got a manager that you trust, a manager that you know, you know he knows what he's doing. Um, and he's got to pick the right team. And you, you've heard me say this before, Dan. I'm going to say it again. I, I don't think it's necessarily a must-win game for Leicester. I really don't. I think it's, it's certainly a don't-lose game. Because you, you can't have them getting away from from you know, in points wise. You know, if Spartak were to win, they go to six points. Leicester stay on one point. You've got a five point gap, and then even with Spartak coming up in the you know the next game, the match day four is at home to Spartak. You know, you, you if you beat them, but you're still going to be two points behind them. Whereas if you can pick a draw up, you beat them in the home game. You've got your four points out of six, and then you then move above them in the table, and that's got to be the key to it. You then got another home game followed by what no doubt it's going to be a difficult last game at Napoli, regardless of where they are in the group. So it's really, really important, I think, that the manager weighs up all his options, picks the right team and gets a result and gets at least a draw out of the game because I think that is really, really important for Wednesday. Yeah, just finally, last point on Wednesday, Matt, you said just then yourself, you think that you're fairly confident Leicester will get something, at least a point, if not all three. 
Yeah, I think so. I think they have. We know they've got a quality in the ranks, and that boost on the, on after Saturday's performance, as much as the result itself. I think it was, you know, we, we mentioned about the confidence that will bring and serve them well. And yeah, I think I fancy them strongly. Whichever team he puts out to get something out of the game, get something out of the game. I think uh, probably the selection uh, dilemma for Brendan Rodgers that we mentioned. That will be assisted, I think, um, perhaps simplified by the fact it is a Wednesday game. The travelling is quite far, but um, typically you open league games on a Thursday and quickly you play on a Sunday. You, know, you don't get back till, I don't know, the early part of Friday. Far from ideal preparation, isn't it? And, you know, travelling down to London, play Brentford, the game being on Wednesday gives them that extra day, extra recovery. That will have, I would imagine... Um, some effect on the team selection because there is that extra time for recovery. Um, right, we'll we'll do what we normally do um, at this stage of extra time every week and get you to pick out one fixture that, that caught your eye at the weekend that wasn't a Leicester one. Tony, you were at the the Everton West Ham game. Uh, I was, yeah. Um, you know, good result as I said for the Hammers. Everton were disappointing, but they they've got Calvert Lewin and Richarlison, and like, you know, I defy any club if you've got your two star strikers missing. And then of course everyone, you know, I met all the Everton fans after the game, all moaning about the what was going on in the final third. And of course, if you've got your two front players missing, we know that's going to be the case. But you know, I, I think I don't know whether Matt saw the game. If he did, he's probably bet for him to talk about it. But probably the key game of the weekend was probably Newcastle v Spurs, wasn't it? Because there's been so much publicity about what's going, what's going to happen. We all know what's going to happen over the next four or five years at Newcastle in terms of they're going to be spending money and everything. And it, you know, from what I saw, it looked like it was a really good game, but yet another disappointing result for Newcastle. So a good result for the Hammers, but disappointing for Newcastle. Did you see that one, Matt? If not, what were the games? Yeah, no, I watched a bit of that. Yeah, they, they got off to a good start, didn't they? Newcastle, and, you know, the new owners were uh, up in the up in the seats with Ant and Deck in front of them as well. And it was all joy and jubilation early on. Everything went to plan, didn't it? Got the early goal, started off like a house on fire, but then a bit of reality kicked in. Um, and Dombele got, got a goal and the, the Newcastle, sort of the energy came out of them, really. It's like they were... You know, running on the on adrenaline, really, or just you know hyped up by the situation. Crowd was up for it, right behind them. Once that subsided a little bit, um, normal proceedings sort of came into play, and yeah, they, they looked a little bit shaky. Newcastle, to tell you the truth, could have been more. Obviously, there was interruption with um, one of the supporters collapsed by all accounts. You know, I'm hearing that everything ended up okay. There was. It was quick action on with the uh, defibrillators and the players notified people, etc. Big delay in the game, so it, yeah, it was a it was a, a full of incident and um, plenty going on up there at St James's Park. But uh, it's going to be a little while before they turn things round, isn't it? Because the the, the money influx is, isn't going to come uh, immediately, at, at least. But uh, I suppose for me, the, the result that stood out for me, other than Leicester was Wolves um, beating Aston Villa. Uh, by all accounts, didn't see the game. But I saw the, the timeline of the scoring. Ten minutes to go on the clock, or 11, I think it was, I think it was the 80th minute, wasn't it? The, it was 2-0 two, two to Villa, and then Wolves come back and score, score the third goal in the 90-plus-5, fifth minute. 
uh, Neves with a deflection off the free kick off target. So, uh, but it was on target and it came <laughs> off target. Sorry, I didn't even mean that one. But um, yeah, listen, the West Midlands derby or certainly a Midlands derby, Aston Villa are going to be fuming. They won't be happy with that one. Uh, throwing away a 2-0 lead at that late game, that late state of the game. But um, yeah, plenty going on as usual in the Premier League. Absolutely. Well, I will end this little bit on, on a positive note. I've just had a look while you were talking about the uh, the Newcastle fan. Um, he is now in a, a stable condition and doing well. Uh, yeah. So that's uh, very good to hear. Um, right, let's uh, do our football Jenga then. You two can go head to head. Hopefully it will last a little bit longer than it did a couple of weeks ago. But yeah, Matt, that was my fault, Dan, was it? It wasn't Matt's fault, that was yeah. my fault. But <laughs> Matt, you weren't here last week or the last time that we did it after, before the international break. And uh, and Tony did win. He beat Ewan and Jerry. Um, so he's, he's back. Both of them. Beat both of them. Yeah. That is a turn up for the books. He's back up on. Ewan just keeps repeating the same answers that he'd said a, a couple of goes previously. So. Uh, anyway, uh, to, today's theme is. Uh, Leicester goal scorers in games between Manchester United and Leicester in all competitions since January 1998. So that's including <laughs> yesterday and all the Leicester goal scorers in games against Manchester United uh, dating back to January 1998. Uh, and as you're the defending champion of uh, football, Jenga Tony, you can kick us off, please. Don't say it, so don't say it. Me. <laughs> <laughs> you wait for me, Betty. I am. Can I use who scored on Saturday? Okay. Soyonchi. Okay. So Jamie Vardy. Hatson Dakar. Yuri Tielemans. Right, now, now we're interesting, Matt. <laughs> Esteban Cambiasso. Emil Heskey. Is that right? Yeah. Of it's right. <laughs> uh, Leo Ujoa. You're going for the modern ones, Matt. And I'm, I'm, I'm thinking games that we played in. Um, I think Theo scored against Man United. Zagarakis. Oh, good shout! Excellent answer. Yeah, he skipped past Roy Keane and smashed on that twenty-five yards, yeah. didn't he? Um, oh, I've got another one. I've got another one. Luke Thomas. Yeah. Where did you do that from? Fantastic. Last season. Yeah. Now you know I'm in trouble, obviously. Um, Me too. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to be in trouble now, and I'm. Um, if you're struggling, I will give a clue. It's, it's all competitions, remember, not just Premier League. No, I know that, Dan. That's not really helping, though. Um, oh, I think I might pluck one. It's just, it's coming to me from the <laughs> title-winning season. Where's Morgan? Good shout. Good shout. Oh, he plucked it from nowhere. Yeah, in the one all draw up there, wasn't it? Yeah. Kalechi Ianacho. Yes. See, I'm going <laughs> for like, you're getting the easy ones, Matt. 
I'm going for the ones who scored. Ah, <laughs> uh, right. Now I'm in trouble. Struggle now. Um, Five seconds, Tony. Oh, no, I know, I know, I know. Um, Chuck and David. David. Did nothing appearing. Oh, no, go on, mate. It's all yours. Mm. Have, you got more? have you got any more? I don't think I have, mate. No, um, exactly. You've got to get this to, to win, Matt. Come on. I've got to get this. I can't picture anyone. Let's see. Oh, I don't think about how many games there must have been between Leicester and Man United. Thinking of the 5 3 game. But that was Ujoa, Bardi, Cambiasso. Bardi got a couple. Ah, oh, it's oh, not um, Andy King. No, it isn't. No. Uh, well, it's a draw. We can call it a draw. To be fair, you've you've done well between you. There aren't uh, that many, are there? Got quite a few. There's not that many left. Harvey Barnes scored oh, uh, oh, last yeah. season uh, with a brilliant goal. There was also an Axel Tuanzebe own goal in that game. Uh, the other answers you could have had uh, were Damari Gray, a stunner at Old Trafford a few seasons. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Harry Maguire scored in a 2-2 draw um, for Leicester a few seasons ago around Christmas time. David Nugent was the other goal scorer in the 5-3. Um, Frank Sinclair scored one. <laughs> was that an own goal? What? It's got to be an own goal. Steve Walsh. Steve Walsh. I was going to say Walsh as well. Yeah. Oh. Uh, Martin Vasilevsky was an answer as well. Dinko, um, uh, so, I don't remember Cinco scoring against Man U. No. I think he scored in that, was it that 6-2? Well, Walsh, he might have got one, but I'm fairly yeah. certain he did. Um, I want to put it down. Is that, is that all that's on the list, Dan? Is that yeah. it? No. I think you should have got Marshy scored against them. That was before January. Before, that was before the one they were Old Trafford, Matt. I think mean, that was before. Oh, 98, was it 80? Yeah. So, how many, how many goal scorers are there then, Dan? It's not many, is it? Well, yeah, so you missed one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. You missed eight, and that was including the, the two Anzabi own goal one as well. Yeah. So, you got more than you missed. Um, so, I think that was a, a, a decent effort there. So, well done. Draw then. Is it draw? draw? We call draw. it a draw. We'll call it a draw, uh, Matt. At least it went on for a little bit longer than it, the last time you two went head to head. Um, all right, well, well, thank you very much for that. I, I, I'm sure you've, you've both enjoyed it. Matt, I, I appreciate you trooping along, despite not doing very well. Uh, so thank you. Uh, Tony, you've had a big weekend up in Merseyside as well, so we'll let you rest up and everything as well. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Matt. Cheers, guys. I'll speak to you guys Wednesday. Thanks, guys. Wednesday.